Well, folks, welcome to our 12th Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast and forum, produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Capacity Program. My name is Denisha Quinlan, and I'm the CEO of the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. If you haven't joined us before, we are normally in front of a room full of business leaders responding to their questions about getting your products to international markets, how to create unique experiences relevant for the business you're in and a business that's open, or even how to navigate tight cash flow in a seasonal business. Times have certainly changed, and while you can always catch our chats on your favourite podcast station under our Chamber channel, Set the Month in Motion, we decided this month to put ourselves right out there. So welcome for the first time to our live Facebook audience feed this month. I am quietly relieved after last night's storm, though, that you can all tuck yourselves up at home and tune in from there. For most of us, May is the time we begin to set next year's budget, and what a crazy time to even attempt to take a look into the future. In what has been an incredible unending of normal business practice due to COVID-19, the future seems to be a bit of a blank canvas in front of all of us. That said, today we are aiming to cover off some tips and tricks to how we start to think about budgeting when it's hard to see the road in front of us. And some management, budgeting and planning tips that perhaps we can use in these circumstances. And finally, of course, we will chat about the ever-present world in our business planning, COVID-19, and what the stimulus packages can mean for our businesses as we try to ride our way out through this real storm. Luckily today, we are so fortunate to have some of the best financial heads in the state to chat through some of these issues. So live um, in the room with me is uh, Lee Bartlett, who I'll introduce shortly, and we have Matthew and Tracy on the phone, who I'll also introduce one by one. We are watching the live feed though, so if you have any questions as we go through uh, today's chat and discussion, please do um, pop them up and we'll cover them off and put them to our panel. But first off, I'm going to introduce Matthew Robinson. Matthew is a Senior Manager in Business Advisory for award-winning accounting firm RSM Australia. Drawing from experience that includes designing and implementing financial reporting models for international giant Formula One, Matthew knows that business profitability rides on essential ingredients, such as strategic planning, cash flow management systems, and budget analysis. Matthew, in all the clutter of the conversations around um, our businesses at the moment, and I guess so many businesses in survival mode, if you had to pick one thing right now, what would be the most important thing a business leader can do, financially speaking, to survive COVID-19? Yeah, thanks, Tanisha, and thanks for the opportunity to uh, be able to present uh, to the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce community. Um, it, it's, it's been a pretty turbulent time, uh, and... Um, you know, one of the things that our clients have been reaching out to us on is, is about how do I survive? How do I uh, make it through? So you've got, in one hand, you've got a lot of these stimulus packages that have been uh, thrust at them. And in the other hand, you've got this massive change that's going on with business. And so one of the things that we've been sort of pulling together is this, what we call a business viability report. And, and in it, our key focus, our key focus is to really understand that business's break-even point. So I think... You know, we, we talk about, uh, in accounting, you know, we talk about profitability, we talk about knowing our numbers. I think in knowing our numbers, what you really need to know is, is what's that break-even point? I.e., what's it, what sales do you need to generate today, this week, this month, in order to meet the costs that you've got? Second to that, and it's probably equally as important, is, is know your cash flows. So, um, you know, in, in, in these sort of COVID times, 
we're seeing, uh, you know, cash flow tighten up. So people aren't as quick or ready uh, to, or willing to pay their bills. So they're looking for um, alternative arrangements. And I think as business owners out there, adaptability uh, inside that cash flow is critical as well. In terms of, you know, receiving, um, you know, 10% payment from your customers is better than receiving no payment from your customers. Mm -hmm. So being able to sit there and say, well, okay, how can I um, negotiate and navigate my cash flows? And also, what is my break-even point? Um, and, and that's that's kind of where we've been working with our clients in, in that one sort of that one critical part. Because if you know that you can survive this week, then you look at next week. Can I survive next week? And then you look at the next week. And so you start to paint a bit of a picture about what's that uh, what that impact is having actually uh, on your business. So I, I think you know hopefully that sort of gives a bit of a bit of a tip on on where to um, look at with this, Denisha. I think that's a really great point that you make, Matthew. And I think break even, it's, you know, it's almost that old adage that I, I remember my dad telling me even as a kid, you know, you can't spend more money than you have and understanding what money's going out and what money is coming in. And even at bare minimum, as you said, even if you're only getting 10% of your usual sales, just understanding what that might be and then what costs you can actually apply to that as a very base starting point is so essential before we even work out whether we can stay afloat or not. So thank you for sharing that. And I'll come back to a few of those points as we work through the discussion. Next up on our panel and live in the room with us today, socially distanced appropriately, of course, Lee. Of course. Um, Lee is a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales and a member of the Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand. He's the Chief Financial Officer and Director of TAMS Group, a diverse national marine services business based out of Fremantle. Prior to joining TAMS Group five years ago, Lee was an external auditor for BDO LLP, specialising in owner-managed businesses and large motor dealerships. Lee is not only treasurer here at our Fremantle Chamber of Commerce, but has recently been appointed as company secretary for the Fremantle Foundation, a Fremantle-based not-for-profit whose central role is to encourage philanthropic giving. Lee, so much of our success in business relies on our relationships with our stakeholders, including financial institutions. How should we be communicating with the bank and other stakeholders during these budgeting times, and especially if businesses are seeing a downturn? Yeah, thanks, Tanisha. So, uh, I suppose the most important thing, I think, around that communication piece is, is, is don't bury your head in the sand. Um, you need to realise, I suppose, what, what is going on in your own environment. And uh, if, unfortunately, that you are seeing a downturn, um, not talking to your banks, not talking to the ATO, not talking to your employees um, isn't going to do you any favours. Um, the banks are wanting to help you. The ATO are wanting to help, help you. And ultimately, your employees you know, want to remain employed. So again, they'll all come to the table. So I think um, just making sure that you can have that, that honest conversation, and not only an honest conversation, but you've also got the facts there in front of you. So coming back to the earlier point about understanding your costs and your break-even point, you don't want to just go to your bank manager and say, look, I need a loan, because the next question is going to be, okay, well, why? what's your financial position and where are you going to be at? So go pre-armed with all that information, um, but make sure you're talking to, to any stakeholder that you've got in your business sooner rather than later. It's so true, because even in any... I guess budgeting planning, we need all the information to hand, but it's even more relevant now to understand where your stakeholders are at, how they view your business, what information they need to be able to assist you. And um, it was interesting, Lee, during the last week, um, 
did a, a workshop with Nova um, around empathetic leadership and cost cutting and how absolutely crucially important it is to take your stakeholders on that journey with you and to find employees to come up with even ideas on how you can save some money or what they know about the business, where, what they're seeing in terms of trends, but also where they've got flexibility to be yeah. able to assist you. Because yeah. at the end of the day, everyone Which wants to have Nova. a job. You're exactly right on that as well, and I suppose the way that we've uh, looked at it within, within our businesses, I suppose, is, <coughs> is identify all those levers that you can potentially pull, yeah. uh, and then prioritise them. So, for example, you know your employees, in, in my opinion, should be one of the last levers that, that should be pulled as, a, as an option. Um, so it's really you know, just working out, okay, what, what lever you can pull and the impact it will have on your overall financial position, and the impact it might have on your business going forward as well. Absolutely. Lastly, and, and really relevantly into uh, the next area um, around employees and keeping and, and tax in the ATO, we welcome Tracy Dunn. Tracy is an Associate Director in the Tax Services Division of RSM in Perth. Tracy has a Bachelor of Business in Accounting, a Graduate Certificate in Commercial Law and is currently studying a Bachelor of Laws. Tracy's expertise lies in providing simple and complex tax advice to private group and high net wealth clients. She has significant experience in advising on taxation implications surrounding fringe benefits, Division 7A and trusts. Tracy provides litigation support in family law matters involving high wealth individuals and private groups and regularly presents on taxation topics. So an incredible breadth of experience there, Tracy, in terms of helping both individuals navigate through their own financial positions but also businesses in, in a range of different contexts. Tracy, locally here in Fremantle there seems to be two things on every small business owner's feedback and certainly we've seen it quite strongly in our recent survey of our members and those two things seem to be JobKeeper payments and landlord assistance. So I guess as Lee was highlighting, you know, some of our key stakeholders around where can we go and what can we do to protect the people we need to to keep our businesses running but also find leverage um, where we can um, from a revenue or a cost savings perspective. I'd love to tackle the first one of these with you because I know it's something that you're getting a lot of queries on and certainly um, dive deep uh, into the wonderful world of JobKeeper. Um, and looking at JobKeeper, what would be your advice around whether this is the right choice for local business? That's a, that's a really good question and, and it's something that really should be at the forefront of particularly small business, um, the, the minds of the, the business owners. Um, because unfortunately, JobKeeper is not the right choice for every business. It will really come down to, um, you know, where that business is at in its life cycle. Um, and so it's really important at this time for business owners, as, as Matthew and Lee both touched on, um, you know, it, to, to understand their business, um, to be really looking at their business model, looking at what their costs are, looking at whether or not retaining employees um, and obtaining the upfront funding required to you know pay the JobKeeper wages um, is is really financially viable. Now for many businesses JobKeeper and the other stimulus ma um, measures will be fantastic. Um, so for those businesses that were doing well pre-COVID-19 and that have suffered a downturn but not com complete elimination of revenue, um, using the different stimulus measures and JobKeeper will actually put them in a stronger financial position, cash position, than they were pre-COVID-19. Mm. Um, so if they understand what those measures are and they're working with their advisors, 
they can actually put themselves in a really strong financial position to survive COVID-19 and come out the other end. But they need to understand what that other end looks like. Um, for those businesses that were in financial distress pre-COVID-19, um, that uh, you know are not able to adapt and innovate and don't have a source of income coming in and are going to have to rely on finance um, to fund wages, then perhaps JobKeeper is not the right choice for their business um, and they need to be looking at other options like restructure or even winding up. I think it's such a good point you make, um, particularly um, we were talking to ABC um, during the week on that very thing. So many businesses in Fremantle were, were already cash strapped, you know, having come off three or four years of quite difficult trading and without the cash in the business to actually support those payments to employees up front, it does put the business in quite a risky position and borrowing more may not be the answer to cover that off. And I think it's such a good point you make just around whilst those stimulus packages are designed to stimulate many of those businesses and keep them going post-COVID, we really have to be looking ahead over the next 12 months and potentially recognising even today that businesses are likely to be opening up and what does your business look like into the future and what is the best method of funding part of that process. I'd love to take a look just on that point that you made um, in that last comment, Tracy, just around looking at your business and deciding what is the best thing for you. And like all of our businesses, we are dealing with unprecedented change. Um, we're looking at really heavy impacts from an environment externally, which are flowing on to just the daily way that we actually do business. And I'd like to put out to the panel now just how we take this context externally and apply it to the way we set budgets and what we look at internally in our businesses. And Lee, I guess in a business that has changed a lot, even from a marine and engineering perspective, but also your experience on Rotnest, which has had massive external yeah, impact yeah. in recent times. How do you, what sort of processes do you use um, when you're looking at what impacts the external and the internal environment have on the numbers and the figures within the business? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, a restaurant on Rotnest and a, and a national marine business, two very different sizes and different types of business, but ultimately the concept is, is still the same. It's, and it doesn't need to be anything fancy, but it's literally just just start jotting down what you think, you know, the future is going to be like post, post COVID. And then put it down, uh, go and grab a cup of tea and then go back and revisit it because you can pretty much come up with multiple scenarios. Each scenario could be a valid uh, way forward that you go. <clears throat> and then it's really then looking at, okay, well, where, where you, you know the business better than anyone else, where do you actually think that that, that will lead? So for us on Rotnest, um, that really is uh, things that are completely outside of our control. But we are using this downtime, using JobKeeper as a, as a method to, I suppose, get the, the restaurant <coughs> ship shape ready to open. And then once the, the restrictions are lifted and the island is back open, we know that we're, we're ready to go and we're planned and we're prepped. And doing all that stuff that you, um, that you don't get to necessarily do when you're operating all the time is now actually a good time to, to get prepped to make sure you're good going forward. Absolutely and it's funny we actually saw that comment even on a digital <coughs> perspective in last month's conversation was really around we so rarely in business get a chance to take a breath 
and to quote old Woodside Speak, stand up on the balcony and mm. take a look at the dance floor. Um, normally we're so busy on the dance floor that we don't get a chance to look up. And that really is the first step, isn't it? It's getting up on that balcony and having a look. And I guess, uh, Tracy and Matthew, as independent advisors, you're in a prime position to be on that balcony looking down at the business because you're not actively in it and attached. What are some of the things that you're seeing um, in your clients that are coming to you around how they can take that perspective and that environmental scan, I guess, and apply it to their business and to their figures? Yeah, um, Denisha, I think I think that's a, that's a key point there is, is we're not connected to the business uh, the same way the owner's connected to the business. So I think Particularly in a time like this, uh, business owners really need to be sort of looking at speaking to an accountant or, you know, the trusted advisor to help them gain a bit of perspective. Because what we see is we see a lot of businesses around us. So we're seeing what's working, you know, to a certain extent and what's not working out there. And um, in terms of uh, what does work, I think critically, uh, you've got to know what you sell. Um, you know, I think a lot of uh, business owners intuitively know what they sell and, you know, I'll, I'll say to them, you know, what is it, you know, what is it that you sell? And they sell, you know, I sell this product or, you know, I sell quality or I sell, you know, good service. But really physically, if we can boil it down to actually a number, what is it that I sell? I sell um, items uh, to a customer. If, I've, if I'm a cafe, I sell, you know, food yeah. and beverages to a customer. I need to know how many customers I've got coming through my business at the moment so I can keep you know, so I can measure that out. If, if I'm a service in the service industry, uh, like a trade or, or something like that, um, what do I sell? I, I sell time. Um, you know, as, as accountants, we're not really too dissimilar to that because at the end of the day, we sell time. So we've got to understand, you know, how many units of time are we able to sell during this? And um, our costs are not going to go down. You know, um, in terms of getting that perspective, your, your costs are your costs. And to sort of uh, look back at what Lee was saying, you know, you, you, you can pretty well predict what your costs are going to be moving forward in your business. And, and there's various levers that you can uh, pull to, um, to to sort of turn costs off. But um, I think I think the one thing that I'm seeing that works uh, and has always worked for small business is that uh, they're, they're quite nimble, they're adaptable, they're able to, uh, you know, adapt to uh, situations, different situations more readily um, than what big, the bigger end of town is, is able to. Um, so they can turn things off and on a lot more quickly. Um, I, I've got a cafe uh, owner as, as a client and overnight with this COVID, his, his, uh, his business was shut down. So he had to turn on a takeaway model that didn't really exist inside his business. But immediately he was uh, spent the weekend mapping it out, looking at what that would look like. And, and you know, uh, to, to sort of look back at what Tracy was saying, uh, JobKeeper doesn't work for his business because he's actually doing uh, better than what he was doing under the old model because he's been able to innovate and adapt to the, the situation that's uh, in front of him. And that's, that's, that's the feedback that I'm getting from advisors and from clients is, firstly, this has been an opportunity with the downturn in business for them to actually focus on what it is that they do in business um, and they can revisit that business model and see whether there's any opportunities to change. Um, so I'm seeing people who are innovating, they're coming up with ideas um, and they're actually thriving. Um, they, they've found different sources of income that they hadn't considered pre-COVID-19 um, and they've been able to make decisions around their business um, that are putting them in a much stronger financial position. And I've heard of similar um, you know, people in the hospitality industry that um, have had to completely rethink the way they do their business. Um, they've looked at their model, they've changed what the, the product offering is, 
and they're actually now more viable um, and they're working less hours. Um, and again, JobKeeper wasn't an option for them. Um, but they're, they're actually finding that they're more profitable, um, working less hours, um, and the business is actually doing for them what they set out to do in the first place. Um, so It's amazing actually how many conversations we've had in Set the Month in Motion that still hark back to um, Al from Triple uh, Three's comment to define what business you're in. And I think that is, has to be our starting point is what is absolutely nuts and bolts the business I'm in. As Lee said, what scenarios can I map out knowing what business I'm in and then applying that. Um, and that said, you know, we know so many businesses are, are still struggling and they rely on foot flow. Um, and behind that is also a whole supply chain of businesses. And I think that's something else, that interconnectivity of our businesses is a really important point that harks back to Lee's first point about your stakeholders and not just the ATO and others, but also your supply chain. And where in your supply chain can you draw that core essence of what business you're in and how do you find partners that can help deliver that in a cost-effective way? Because I guess that's the other issue is when you don't have capital in your business, you can't suddenly invent a whole new model and a whole new scenario and a whole new way of doing business this time. It really is almost pulling back to the very core. Um, Tracy, just one question on uh, JobKeeper isn't for everybody. Um, there are other, obviously, stimulus packages out there um, around even just the PAYG um, rebate, some of that lifting um, around insolvency to assist businesses to just help them make decisions and get themselves through. Um, is there anything that you think um, that you've seen coming through that have been any sort of, I guess, really, if, if JobKeeper isn't an option, what other options there may be in the stimulus packages for businesses? There's there's a lot of options um, and it is challenging for businesses to work through them because they vary from state to state um, and they're constantly moving. But um, obviously the cash flow boost is is a really good one um, and the money is starting to flow um, into, uh, into bank accounts from um, cash flow boost now. Um, and by cash flow boost, you mean the sorry to interrupt. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but at, by cash flow boost, you mean the PAYG rebates? That's that's right. So right. the cash flow boost is tied to PAYG. Yeah. So when businesses lodge their March um, activity statement, um, whatever is in the PAYG uh, will drive what the ref what the the rebate is that they'll receive from the tax office. Now that's not a cash refund. Uh, it's a it's a credit against their um, BAS liability. So if they're in a refund position, then the tax office will refund them um, the balance. Um, so they do need to, if they use the business portal, um, they either need to use the business portal or talk with their agent um, to, to have an understanding of what they need to pay if they're still in a payable position. But obviously, they're going to pay less um, because their liability will be offset by the credit that they're owed. Um, their rent relief, various rent relief packages. Um, there's, they, they vary from state to state. And of course we have the um, federal um, code of conduct for commercial tenancies. Um, you, the state government uh, for businesses um, has an electricity uh, rebate. There's payroll tax concessions. Um, we found out um, this week uh, that uh, WorkCover WA will not be including um, JobKeeper top up payments in um, the wages declaration oh, for workers' great. comp insurance premiums. So that, that's a positive. Um, 
So, yeah, that, look, there's lots of different options that are available. Um, and, of course, with the ATO administrative concessions, um, with the ability to um, vary PAYG instalments, um, so PAYG income tax instalments, um, the ability to negotiate um, low-interest repayment plans, um, the ability for certain debts that have been incurred, I think it's after 23rd of January, um, for the tax office to um, remit penalties and interest uh, and to defer payments of tax liability. So there's lots of options there um, to be able to assist with preserving cash flow. But it is important for business to, to know when they take advantage of deferrals, it's only a deferral. Yeah. Uh, so they are going to have to look forward um, and think, well, okay, when my deferral's over, uh, where am I going to get the cash to actually start repaying um, my bank loan repayments, to start repaying my tax liabilities? Um, and where they've reduced PIYG instalments and their business has done better in 2020 than they expected, they might have tax liability that um, they're going to have to come up with um, the cash uh, next year. It's such a good point that you make, I think, um, and, and it sits back to Lee's point just about creating, I think, those scenarios because I think there's a lot of talk in the marketplace that whilst COVID, this period of, has been an incredible period of uncertainty and change, when we all come back out of this, no one is necessarily going to have a whole lot of money to suddenly start spending again. Recovery is going to take some time. And if you have deferred everything and you're still in a recovery phase in eight months' time, you are going to have to find that money from somewhere um, to be able to, to cover that off. Lee, you mentioned sitting down, and I, I love that analogy of just mapping out the different scenarios, having a look at the core of what business you're in, <coughs> jumping forward to eight months, three months, mapping out what the world could actually look like. I guess then looking at revenue, looking at costs, and then looking at some of the options that Tracy just mentioned around what's going to be coming into my business mm. from these. And I think RSM have a wonderful cash planning toolkit that allows us to do some of those calculations. So if any of our members are interested in that, please contact the Chamber and then we can give you a link to that. But Lee, once you get all of that information out in front of you, how do you consolidate? How do you find the glowing lights that maybe help you make those decisions? How do you find the glowing lights uh, in a COVID world? <laughs> uh, it's probably a lot harder than what it was, uh, what it was pre-COVID. Um, how would I find the glowing lights? Uh, let me think on how I would do that one. You would, if, if you're looking at your business and, and when you've mapped out all those different scenarios, you're still finding that, that there isn't actually anything that is, that is standing out. That is honestly really a time that you probably need to go and talk to your advisor. Uh, and to come back to Tracy's point, on, as much as uh, if, you're, if it's your own business and you won't want to hear this, um, maybe your, your business actually has no future. So I suppose the, the point one on, on the other side of the scale would be to, to try and keep a, a clear head when, when looking at trying not to be, be emotional when, when looking at your business, as hard as that may be. Uh, when you're then looking at the, what would be the blue sky, um, really have a look at what, at what, what other industry uh, is, is talking about. Maybe have a look at what your, your other peers and business as well and what they're seeing. Actually make sure that what you think are your assumptions are actually, um, are actually realistic. For example, over at Rotnest, um, you know, there's a there's a, 
a two-prong approach. One is a conception that, that Rottnest will be busier than ever because uh, you know, people won't be going to Bali straight away, so therefore Rottnest will become the, the next destination. Other mindsets are, uh, I suppose, there's a, that people actually will, won't, won't travel and they won't, they won't want to go on a ferry, they won't want to go on holiday. It's really just trying to weigh that up as to, to realistically, in your business, where do you feel that that's, that's going to be? Um, but just coming back to the, the cash flow point, just quickly, I suppose, when, when COVID was first announced and you know, the analogies of, of being in a wartime state, I, I started creating a war chest. So trying to look at basically all those levers that the Tracy were just sort of talking about then uh, <coughs> and around, okay, well, what ones, what ones can I grab now uh, to keep my powder dry for as long as possible so that when Rotnest does go gangbusters again uh, and, and people are, are hoarding over, that we've got the, the cash flow funds to be able to grow quite quickly. Understanding your payment cycles as well uh, is probably just a, another one to consider as well. In a hospitality business, you're lucky because you can buy your goods on account and then you get your cash straight away. However, for, for some businessmen, my town's business, um, for us to mobilise back up, we will burn a lot of money straight away before we get those funds back. So again, it's it's probably making sure that, that when you're actually looking at, you've got your enough powder within your within your war chest to sort of go. So when when the time does come to to grow again, that you can actually have the the cash to be able to fund that. Such a good point you make on the difference of businesses, and particularly in Fremantle, where we have such a diverse industry base. I think, you know, hospitality feel the impact like that. The minute customers stop walking through the door, you can't afford to pay your suppliers, you can't afford to even potentially do take away unless you've got people coming through your door. And that's felt immediately, but on the other side of it, when you go to start up, as soon as people start coming through your door, you've suddenly got cash back in. Whereas, as you've said, a lot of our engineering, marine, and even some of our key consulting businesses, it costs money to sit and wait as businesses is coming in, you're going to have to have some money there to, to build again exactly and not right. get caught. So I think that's a really, really good point you make around understanding your payment cycles, not only of revenue coming in, but also the costs going out um, because they'll be different as well. And, you know, where you prioritise who you pay, if you're a hospitality business, you better make sure you pay your fruit and veg guy and your liquor guy, otherwise you've got no food to serve your customers anyway. Um, but vice versa, you know, we've seen a huge increase in IT services and provision and making sure that if we are moving into a digital environment for some of our regions, retail businesses, that they have some money to invest in going online, going digital and doing those sorts of things. Um, Kelly, have we got any questions on through Facebook yet? So please, folks who are listening uh, in, if you do have any questions to put to our panel, um, please do fire them off. And I have Kelly in the room who will flag for me uh, when a question comes in um, and put it there. But for now, I've just got um, one other question, I think, of our um, of our panel um, and, and on that scenario business, when you're looking at different scenarios, do we actually need to create different budgets and have them almost ready to go depending on the way those scenarios go? Or do we kind of pick what our gut instinct is and work through that and then constantly revise over the next 12 months? And I'll put that to anyone in the panel that wants to cover off that process. I mean, how many budgets have you got going at the moment for TAMS and Rottnest, Lee? Uh, so for, for TAMS, uh, ultimately we have, we have one budget, uh, but I think I'm up to about nine uh, different scenarios of where things can go. Uh, you know, I suppose I'm fortunate enough I've got an accounting background, so I'm, I have the, I suppose the skills to be able to do that. Um, and, but those, 
importantly, each one of those scenarios changes the business materially uh, and makes a large lot of assumptions, uh, especially around cost as well and what costs look like um, going forward, for example, fuel. You know, it's, it's in the media at the moment. It's um, it's it's one that that in a marine business, when we've got boats, uh, that our, our fuel uh, spend is pretty significant. Um, you know, just in terms of where where the market will sit with fuel post COVID, uh, can can it have a dramatic impact on the business? So I suppose again, it's, it's really identifying all those cost points within your business and going, okay, well, this is where it sits now. Where do I expect it to go in the future? Mm. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you think about fuel and the difference in some of those businesses. We saw that in the lobster industry in January when it came to an absolute grinding halt when um, COVID hit China and we suddenly literally had to put lobster back in the ocean, send fishermen home, send their boats home. You know, suddenly those costs have disappeared. Yet they, when they ramped up, they're the first costs that have to come back online. Um, and I think for our retail businesses, the same thing applies. You know, you might have had to suddenly stop go online, invest in some of that money. You can test whether that's working for you. Are you actually reaching your customers? Where do you need to put extra money and effort in the next little while and what some of those scenarios will be? Mm. So I do think it's so important that that scenario analysis covers some of those different options and where the cost and revenue changes come. So is it in fuel? Is it in digital and online? Is your revenue going to come through people suddenly walking through the door again or is it going to come from somewhere else altogether? Or are you going to rely, as Tracy said, in some ways on deferring a whole lot of stuff under the expectation that things will pick up and then you'll be able to repay that debt? And Tracy, I guess on that point, in creating budgets and looking forward through the eye of the storm, if you have deferred those payments, you have to make sure that you're covering off those costs in your budget moving forward as well. Absolutely, um, particularly particularly with tax liabilities, um, uh, it, it, because if the, the commissioner has very broad powers to recover tax liabilities, um, so it's just not going to be an option for um, businesses who don't plan to have the cash to be able to make um, the, the payments that they've promised. Um, they could be facing litigation. Um, so very, very important um, that when you're seeking to defer payments is to ensure you understand and have the cash flow available to be able to make those, um, those payments as promised in the future. And I guess leading into that, um, you know, part of which we pushed for very heavily at the Chamber federally was our biggest concern in Fremantle was some of the businesses were potentially already trading insolvent um, and were at great risk with that loss of revenue to really be... 100% at that point and the last thing you want when you come out into recovery is to be you know found to be trading insolvent through the period and I know we've got six months of potential relief from that as long as you're still maintaining the the general course of business but I guess it becomes an even greater risk if you have deferred payment um, on a number of things that six month periods up then you almost double that risk of potentially trading insolvent as things start to recover would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So it, it's it's very it's a very um, serious um, thing to to consider. I don't want to be I don't want to be giving a message of doom and gloom because there is a lot of positivity out there. But for those businesses that are already in that were already in financial distress, um, deferring the pain um, may just make things worse. 
Um, so it may be an option to take advantage of those um, concessions around directors' duties and insolvent trading and look to wind up businesses um, while there's some relief from personal liability. Mm, absolutely. I will, I know that is a bit doom and gloom, but I think it's really, really important because I think in the in the haze of all of this and when we're making decisions quickly, we do need to think as business leaders around what those obligations are and where our own personal liabilities and risks may be. Um, but on a more positive note, in Western Australia, obviously six days without any cases, um, it looks like we are well and truly managing the curve. And if more relaxed social distancing comes into play quicker than we expected, I guess what does that also mean from a business and tax perspective? Uh, yeah, so I suppose on the on the I suppose the the numbers coming down already. So you know, outside of Rottnest Tams, uh, we're starting to see uh, things return back to normal. So we brought a large number of our uh, our team back into the office this week, um, which is just good just for just having other people just to talk to I suppose um, it gets a little <laughs> bit yeah it gets, gets a little bit lonely uh, being at home um, but we are actually we are actually really starting to see those green shoots now come through um, it's definitely everyone sort of went bunker down uh, now everyone's starting to, to peer out and going actually uh, you know we need this jetty fixing or hey we're going to do this this project over here um, and then ultimately, you know, if, if we're going to start, uh, you know, with 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 port authorities, for example, uh, looking to to start uh, spending, um, that only doesn't benefit Tams and the marine business. But you know, we rely on a lot of you know fabricators uh, within the Greater Frio region. Um, you know, we're, we're sourcing um, materials and supplies throughout the, the whole of Perth. Um, so we sort of start to see it on on that front line as a as a top tier contractor. But then that will then start flowing through to all those subbies as well. So we're actually, uh, and this this week probably we've seen um, more green shoots than than ever post uh, uh, or since since COVID coming through. And for Matthew and Tracy, and I guess um, you know at the front line, and Matthew, you know, sort of within this um, greater southwest region, are you seeing those green shoots starting to come through? Yeah, uh, you know, I think I think people uh, listen. I was driving, uh, dropping my kids off to school the other day, and there's more cars on the road than I've seen in, in quite a while. So clearly, uh, you know, people are returning. There's a sense of normality that's starting to return. That's starting to return, um, and that that can't but have an impact on on businesses and, and people spending uh, activities. I think from the, the small business perspective, um, you know. Uh, people are looking for things to do. They're, they're looking for the ability to be able to go out. I, I don't think, um, you know, to sort of come back to the point about holidays, I, I think people are wanting to take holidays. They're wanting to have some sort of break and, and so on. So um, in, in, in our region, yeah, we are seeing that the money is starting to flow. Things are still tight, um, but it's not, um, it's, it's not going the, the wrong way. And I guess the and benefit... If I could just sort of tie back... Yes, please do, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to tie back to that. You're talking about the budgets uh, and budgeting, you know, in terms of uh, multiple scenarios. I think the number one thing I, I would just encourage any business owner to about there is, is really just understand what your fixed costs are. If you know what your fixed costs are, they, these are the things that, that you just can't avoid paying. Um, if you know what that cost structure is of your business, it's, it's sort of a bottom-up approach to, to figuring out, you know, what you need to, to target each week in, in your sales target. Um, and in terms of those variable costs, they, they'll always add to the sale price of whatever you do. Um, so, you know, if, if it's in the food industry um, and you're on charging, you know, you're, you're prepping food and all that sort of stuff, just order to what you know your sales are going to be for the week. 
So keep that, manage that side of it. But I think if you know what your, your fixed costs are going to be, and some of those costs come out monthly, you know, something like rent and so on, break it up over four weeks and make sure the money's there. And if we look at what Tracy was saying in terms of, um, you know, the, the JobKeeper payments coming in, the, the PAGO, particularly that PAGO stimulus, when you're building your, your budgets and your break-even points, always factor in that you're going to have to pay the wages tax. Then if you get a if you get a cash back on that wages tax, you should then theoretically have that money in the bank, so to speak, because you ordinarily would have had to have paid that. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole idea of the stimulus is that you as a business owner have the ability to, to build up a, a level of, uh, you know, your, your war chest, um, you know, a level of uh, cash just to be able to get yourself through um, the, the tighter sale. I love that analogy of the war chest that both you and Lee have referred to because it, it is a little bit of that, you know, older generation of just making sure you've got some cash in the bank. And I think that was one of the first things that really struck me when this all first happened is how few of our businesses and even as individuals had a war chest to start off with. You know, the tinter was pretty dry and a little musty in there and they were pretty empty boxes. And as you've said so rightly, Matthew, if you work on absolutely what your based fixed costs are, where you break even, and if you are then having the opportunity to get some stimulus in to actually use that to hold in your chest so that you've got somewhere to move over the next few months, no matter what scenarios happen. And just on, the, on those fixed costs as well, um, your fixed costs before COVID, you know, are still going to be there probably, um, you know, post COVID. However, is that a different dollar figure? Uh, and that's, I suppose, again, if you can actually look down into those costs and look at those levers. You know, a lot of people don't realise that maybe insurance is, a, is a, a lever that can be pulled if you are a business that has no longer been able to trade. So if you're a, you know, a pub, for example, you know, your workers' compensation insurance, you know, go and speak to your insurer, see if you can get a, a refund on that. So it just brings that fixed cost down, especially during these, these uncertain times. So all fixed costs should be you know, reviewed and, and where you can, bring it into your war chest. Mm, absolutely. And I know as a lot of business owners that are used to running in the business, spending all of this time looking at the numbers is not necessarily an easy process to go through, but just putting them out there. And as you've said, Lee, is insurance something we can actually get some benefit from? What are our you know, annual leave liabilities that we may be coming up for? Is there any room to move on some of those things with our employees? Um, you know, is there, do we need six cars on hire agreements over the next little while? Or is this an opportunity where we can use the um, government stimulus packages to invest in that capital yep. if we've actually got it? So every business is different, but the processes that we look through, those fixed and variable costs, that break even point and where our revenue may come from doesn't change no matter what business you're in. And I think um, it's really good advice for all of us mm. to, uh, to go and get that magic cup of tea and, uh, and sit down and have a really good hard look at yeah. them all. And I'm sorry, and just with, with, yeah. uh, with employees, I suppose, you know, if employees are your large fixed cost basis and you have seen a, a drop off in turnover that makes you qualify for JobKeeper, you know, that fixed cost is suddenly going to drop significantly with the benefit of that. And again, I think that's still probably a little bit unclear um, within businesses actually the value of that but you know I think that every employee that you can get that qualifies your business is effectively worth you know uh, tracing me on but it's effectively worth $19,000 so if you've got 10 guys that all qualify for JobKeeper suddenly 190 grand better off in your own war chest to, to help you get through these things yeah so it's a, it's a really good benefit Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're all very lucky that both the federal and state government has responded as quickly as they have to, to assist businesses to get through um, 
I, I don't think, I think if they took a record on how quickly Parliament decisions have been made, we must be surely up to some kind of record on that. Kelly, has anything come through yet? You're all very quiet out there in, uh, in live feed land. Um, just one other question, I guess, then to our panel. We've talked a lot about shifting resources, shifting costs, looking at where they are. What sorts of processes or tools do we have, uh, not in our war chest, but I guess in our uh, tool belts, um, to set priorities? How do we make decisions when it comes to numbers? Do we just make a decision and test it? Do we go all guns barrels and, and set some priorities and really make some very clear decisions? As, I guess, experts um, that are looking at those numbers all the time, how do you set those sorts of priorities? I'll let one of the professional advisors answer this one first. <laughs> Matthew or Tracy, when you're looking at a, an organisation's numbers and figures, how do you go about setting priorities around what changes to make? Yeah, I, I, like, I like what you said first up. You test it and, and it harkens back to what Lee said. You know, you got a bunch of levers in your business and it's about just pulling those levers to get the optimal mix. So if, you, if you're thinking about doing something different, test it and then have a, have a feedback loop on that. So, you know, what, what change does that make? That, that's how I'd approach it. Test everything. If it works, then move it forward. Um, and just always about those, uh, in terms of going all guns blazing, I think uh, that's a... Uh... The suspense. The suspense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in terms of going all guns blazing, absolutely, because you don't want to be so far down a path you can't turn around and come back. I guess that's the, the key point, absolutely, in that. Tracy, did you want to have anything to add around um, setting those priorities? Look, the, the only thing that I can add from a, from a tax advisory perspective, um, you know, what Matthew was um, was talking about is fantastic. Um, I agree with everything that Lee's been talking about. Um, but from a priority perspective, uh, very, very important to prioritise tax liabilities um, because although there is um, some option to defer um, the payments um, at the moment, tax liabilities don't go away. Um, and you know, that the, the, the tax office will be actively trying to recoup revenue through the tax system once we come out of COVID-19 at the other end. So um, I, I would just stress um, to, to make sure that people have the capacity to meet their tax obligations. Um, there are, you know, um, some key milestones coming up in June with Div 7A um, uh, minimum repayments um, and trustee resolutions. Very important for, um, for businesses to be talking to their advisors about that boring stuff um, because it's actually very important and can have a very significant impact on the business if they don't meet their compliance obligations. Um, so um, encourage businesses to be talking to their advisors, planning, looking at different options. Um, but still have that, you know, rather annoying, um, you know, tax uh, obligation um, thought in the back of their mind. It's such good advice that you make, Tracy. I think the um, I had an accountant very early in my days of setting up um, businesses that just said to me, just remember that money is not your money. It's actually the ATOs and you need to set that aside, put it in another account, put your 20% aside somewhere else and just make sure you keep it there. And 
like all businesses, I guess, you know, the government has spent an awful lot of money in the last little while and they're going to need to recoup that. So the ATO is going to be the place that they're going to recoup that from. Um, so making sure that we can meet those obligations and that we've put that cash aside um, is such good advice. And when things are tight, it's really easy to look at that pool of money and go, actually, that's mine. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. I need it. Um, and, and likewise, that applies to your superannuation obligations as well for your employees. They're not going to go away. Um, and we need to make sure that some of those funds are put aside and that we're not spending money again that we don't have. Lou, did you have anything you wanted to add just on the way you can manage, I guess, some of those obligations that you're going to have post-COVID and any strategies you might put in place to do that? No, not, not too much. I suppose maybe, Tracy, what might be good for... Um for maybe you to expand on the space if, you, if you're going to use the ATO as a lever. So if you've done the assessment on your business and you know actually there's, there's going to be some real good strong green shoots going uh, in, into the future and, and we can use the, the tax deferral as a, uh, as a, as a tool to, to get you through these hard times. What's, um, what's the, the best practice approach, Tracy, in terms of how you have that conversation with the ATO from, from, from your side of the fence? The, the important thing is to be engaging with the ATO. Um, and to be able to substantiate your position, um, which I don't think is really that hard in this environment, um, but they're very open to working with businesses. Um, so uh, open the conversation um, and talk to the tax office about the options, but make sure that, you know, before you have that conversation, that you have actually looked at your cash flow budgets um, and that um, you will be in a position to honour the payments that, that you negotiate with, with the ATO. But certainly a fabulous um, tool um, to be able to assist in maximising cash flow over the next six months. That's great. That's fantastic advice. Well, I think we've pretty well covered most of the key things. I guess I would just um, ask each of the panel, is there anything else if you were sitting in business right now and you were trying to set your May budgets, or as Lee is actually setting his own budgets, um, is there anything else we haven't covered that you think from a very practical perspective of people sitting in business, they need to be thinking through how they're going to get through the next 12 months through this storm? Uh, so from my point of view, it's just really making sure you've got that firm understanding of your costs. Um, play out those scenarios, understand what those scenarios do to your cost base. Um, if your business, you know, if, if you're confident in your business model and you know that the one thing's returned to, you know, a more of a normality, then, then the revenue is going to come in, then that's great. But if you don't understand your cost base, uh, when the revenue starts to come in, you, you might not be getting a black number and it might be a red number. So really, really just drive in and, and hone in on those costs. Fantastic. Tracy, did you have any final concluding comments? Um, the, the last thing I would add is um, it, my advice to business is don't stick your head in sand. Um, if you're concerned about the decisions that are facing you um, and you can't face them on your own, talk to your advisors. There's, there's lots of support out there. Um, I'd also encourage, you know, outside of the tax and accounting world is to encourage people to talk to um, mental health professionals. Um, because these are really difficult times um, and, you know, people are under a, a lot of stress. Um, but if you can't cope on your own um, with making financial decisions, talk to your advisor. They're there to help. Such good advice. And even as we said earlier, if you think you may be at the point of coming out of this and being insolvent and not necessarily being able to do that, you know, we've got... Um, 
our business insolvency practice here, David's amazing at being able to, you know, just provide that again, dance floor perspective of saying, I'm up on the balcony, these are your options and this is where you need to go and if you are going to go down this path, these are just some of the things to be aware of to put in place should that eventually happen or may happen. So you're absolutely right. Not, don't, don't be afraid to talk to your advisors. Please always feel free to give us a call here at the Chamber and we can put you in touch um, with some people that can give that kind of assistance. Um, Matthew, did you have any other comments that you wanted to make just in conclusion, just around anything we may have missed or any key points of advice of how we set a budget through this storm? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, I think once you once you've gone through the exercise of setting your budget, you know what it's going to look like for the next twelve months. I think it, try and break it down. Break it down into what what does that look like per day per person. So if you're in the service industry, uh, you know what does each of my employees need to generate for me, um, and and have those targets, those clear dark targets on on a sort of a daily basis. Because you know if you hit that target for today and tomorrow and the next day, you're going to have a red hot uh, crack at being able to hit your budget uh, for the year. And second to that, um, protect your cash. Uh, one of the best things you can do is, is don't, you know, don't always chase the discounts on, um, you know, buying things 12 months in advance. Sometimes you're better off spreading that over 12 month payments just to protect that cash because your customers aren't going to pay you 12 months in advance. So don't let that cash exit out of your business, particularly when things are tight at the moment. And with that cash flow management, Use those, like you said there, Denisha, use those bank accounts. Um, you know, each time you make a payroll payment, put money aside for your wages tax and put money aside for your superannuation. Then when you get that super bill through, it's not such a big shock or a big strain. Every time you collect a dollar from or from your customer, put 10% of that away into that GST account. So I, I would be protecting my cash right now. Such great advice. And I think in fact, I was only talking to my 11-year-old about this this morning. You know, when life gets really overwhelming and you're looking at that big picture and even if your budget feels really scary and a little bit foggy, as you've so rightly said, Matthew, if you can break it down into a couple of core targets that you just need to meet every day, it suddenly becomes less of an issue um, and you've got focus because that's absolutely the essential core of your business every day you're waking up and you're just trying to focus on getting through to that target. And I think it's such a, an effective way to manage our business and it applies as much at the chamber as it does to, to anywhere else. And I also, like you said, I think that idea of protecting cash wherever you can, spreading the load at the moment, anywhere you've got an option, whether it's insurance, whether it's um, you know higher purchase, trying to spread those costs over a 12 month period rather than suck up your cash right now um, to protect it a little bit is really, really important and a great way to finish. Panel, you have been uh, extraordinary, I think, in covering off what can be an incredibly dry topic um, and making it incredibly relevant for businesses, big and small. So to each one of you, thank you ever so much. Um, I normally have a small gift to give to you live, but unfortunately, Matthew and Tracy, I'll have to send that out to you um, in this instance, given our social distancing. Um, but thank you again. And to our live Facebook audience, thank you for listening. Um, really, really appreciate having you online today. Um, if you do have additional questions, um, please feel free to send them through to either Kelly or myself, and um, we can put you in touch with some people to, uh, to answer them. And also, as always, our podcast will go live uh, on Set the Month in Motion. So you can look at that through Google, Spotify, um, or Apple, or any of your 
favourite uh, podcast station, uh, just search for Set the Month in Motion and you'll have today's conversation to listen to or any of the others that we've had over the last 12 months. I can't believe it's actually been 12 months since we first started this process. So a big shout out also to uh, Chris, um, who helps us every week uh, with our sound and our uh, technology every month, I should say. And also to the city of Fremantle for, um, I guess, taking a bit of a, a risk on the process to uh, jump into podcasts uh, 12 months ago. But thank God we did, because uh, we didn't realise the world was going to come to a point where this would actually be the only way we could communicate uh, with our members. So uh, thanks to the City of Fremantle for their support through the process. And I guess that finishes us up for this morning. So take care, people, in that crazy weather out there and these crazy times. Thanks again.